Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. We're so glad you're in church today. So glad that you came to hear from the Lord today. And I believe he has a word for us. We're going on into, um, this is the third week of um, a series that Tony started that helps us to look at some, some questions actually from you. So we're going to look at the third question today. You can go ahead and put that up, but let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. We look at your word humbly today. We look at it with a receptive heart, with an expectant heart. We know that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. And that through your word, we can see what you think, how you are. And through your word, we can actually see how we as new creatures are. It defines who we are so we can actually act like who we are. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit who will help us not just to be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of it in Jesus' precious name, amen. Can we just say before we look into it today, I'm a doer of the word. Again, I'm a doer of the word. We're not blessed because we just come to church and hear. We're actually blessed because we come, hear, and do the word of God. So here's our question for this week that somebody turned in. How do we meet people where they are at? without compromising what God says about how we should live. What are we to accept? In other words, how can we be close to, involved with, interact with sinners and not sin? Yeah, so how we're going to look at this is not so much by, um, uh, you know, somebody's opinion, somebody's experience, we're actually going to cut away straight away and look at Jesus Christ. You don't have a better example in this than Jesus Christ. And so, uh, we're, we li- I like this question, and we're, we're glad to ask. Somebody asked this, and so we're glad you asked. That's the name of this uh, particular series is Glad You Ask, and we're going to look into it today. To do this, we're going to look and, and contrast John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, John the Baptist's style of ministry and Jesus Christ's style of ministry, John the Baptist's message and Jesus Christ's message, all right? So, looking straight away to Matthew, the 11th chapter, it says, John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, uh, and what he's talking about is he was he's not known for fine dining, In another place, the Bible says that he ate locusts. Some some Bible scholars say, well, that was carob um, pods. But others say, actually not. It was locusts. Can you imagine? Aren't you glad you're not eating with John the Baptist today? Do we have any bug eaters in here? Has anybody eaten in here any bugs, worms? Okay, we've got somebody back here. I'm going to join you, John. Yeah, and we're alive to tell it. But anyway, um, uh, locusts were not an unclean bug. 
Um, seems like all bugs are gross, but anyway, uh, he ate them. So basically what Jesus identified was that John wasn't noted for his nice clothes, his fine dining. And then he makes this point. He says, and you say, so this is not what Jesus is saying. This is what other people are saying. He's possessed by a devil, a demon. Then he's talking about himself, the son of man, on the other hand, feast and drinks. So Jesus did experience dining, fine dining. You say, and again, you say, this is what other people said about him. He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. We're going to look at those, all of these words in just a little bit. But let's look at John's message. What was John's message? In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of God is near. So his big word in his message, if you were to hear John on any given day, it would be repent, repent of your sins and turn to God. An example of that, when he was talking to Herod, who was a political uh, figure, a, a Jewish man who had stolen his brother's wife by the name of Herodias, stolen her away from his brother. Um, it says, for Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip, John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry her. In other words, you're committing adultery, Herod. Stop it. Repent. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. Okay, so this is the style. This is the message of John's uh, ministry. Okay? Now, when Jesus said that the people thought that he was a prophet, that John was a prophet, it's because he, he was a prophet. Um, actually, Jesus said of all the prophets that had ever been, that John was the most amazing and the most significant of all prophets. Old Testament uh, prophets were known as seers. In other words, they could see into the future. They could actually see into another dispensation, and they'd prophesy about things that were to come. Uh, they would also be able to see into the supernatural world and see things that other people couldn't see, angels and different, different things. But prophets commonly had a, a message, and that message was like John's, Repent. And it was to turn or... Yeah, you got it. To turn or burn. Basically, their messages were to the people of God who had got caught up in the, in the current of the world around them and found themselves going in a wrong direction, a self-destructive direction. A direction that would tear apart their families, tear apart their health, 
would absolutely tear apart their minds and, and they would be going full bore in a wrong direction and prophets' messages were stop, turn around. And so uh, very seldom did peop the, the people do actually what the prophets were telling them to do and they'd keep on going, keep on going towards uh, a self-destruction. But uh, what they were encouraged to do is to turn. Sometimes the people did turn, but only temporarily did they turn. They did not stay turned around towards God. They found that current that was around them again compelling, and they'd find themselves again moving in a wrong direction. All right, so... Um, Jesus, now let's contrast and look at Jesus. Let's look at his message and style of ministry because we want to see how Jesus loved sinners without sinning. How he loved sinners without sinning. And we're going to look at seven characteristics. Two of those characteristics are very similar, but we want to look at seven characteristics of Jesus' style of ministry. Now, the first thing is that repentance was also in Jesus' message, all right? So he, he, he picked up where John had left off as far as repentance is concerned, but it was a bit different because, and we'll see why, uh, Mark, the second chapter in verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come not to call those who think they are righteous. Or in other words, people that think, hey, I've got it together. Um, I'm okay. Pretty much, my, I, I'm a good person. There's nothing wrong with me. My, my good works are better than most people's. Compared to other people, I'm pretty good. And even though Jesus came for every single human, he can't help people like that. He said here, he said, I didn't come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are, are sinners. And I've come to call them to repentance or to turn around. So God can help people who know they need help. Does anybody in here know that you've needed help in your life? Yeah. So God has come to help us when we know we need help. So let's go on to Luke 2, or 24 and verse 47. Jesus says, he says this, and in his name, the message about repentance, and this is important, and forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations. Matthew gives a great commission to go into all the world and to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever he's commanded them. And lo, he's with them all, always, even to the end of the world. Mark has a great commission in, in that book, too, to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing, or I mean, uh, and these signs shall follow them that believe, you know, and, and so on. But Luke had this as um, its version of the Great Commission, and it was this, that in his name, the message of repentance, to turn from the, the, the strange and self-destructive way you're going to God, because that is what repentance means, is to turn or have a different 
change of thought. And he says, repentance, but notice, and. This is something that Jesus added to his message that John didn't have. And forgiveness of sins. It must be preached to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Jesus added forgiveness. He didn't just say turn, but he, he said turn to God who will forgive. Aren't you glad for that part? Jesus added the forgiveness part because he could. Forgiveness needs to be preached to everyone. Forgiveness is free for everyone. But it came at a great cost to Jesus. He could preach forgiveness and preach it freely, but it was going to cost him his life. Forgiveness to be free for everyone costs God his son, all right? So forgiveness is not casual or cheap. So the first thing that we want to see that is important for us to see about um, about being with sinners without sinning and to be effective in our connection and our contact and in our, our life and demonstrating the love of God is this. Number one, based upon everything that we've just seen here, is our life and words should agree with God's mercy and forgiveness. If we're going to represent Jesus' message it has to include forgiveness and mercy. If our message is just condemning and you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this wrong, it's going to be different than Jesus' message. Jesus' message was of repentance, but it was also of turn to a God who forgives and forgives freely. But there were other things in Jesus' message that were not in John's at all. And in Luke, the fourth chapter, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Anybody know what gospel means? It is good news. So when Jesus stood up, found this prophecy in the book of Isaiah, and he read it, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, to preach not bad news, he's actually told me to preach good news, good news to the poor. Good news to the poor would uh, give them hope that they don't have to stay that way. And then he goes on to say, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This was something different in Jesus' message, too. In Jesus' message and in Jesus' ministry is healing to the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus' ministry was not just one of repentance. It was of love and mercy and forgiveness and healing and liberty. Has Jesus' ministry touched Somebody in this room that you were captive, but Jesus set you free? Absolutely. And recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who were oppressed. 
Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is an oppression and Jesus was anointed to break that oppression off of people so people could be healed. We have people healed all the time under that ministry of Jesus. And then he goes on to say and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The only difference between when Jesus was saying this verse of scripture and when Isaiah first prophesied this verse of scripture way years and years before is that these words instead of the acceptable year of the Lord was the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus didn't say that he was anointed to preach vengeance of God or judgment of God. He said, I have come to, pre to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which in other translations is the day of God's favor or grace. So Jesus came full of mercy and grace, and his, his message was this. His demeanor was this. This was the day that he was showing that when you come to God, that God isn't going to smash you. God is going to forgive you. He's going to take you in and not cast you out. And are you glad about that today? Amen. So going on, uh, number two then. The second thing that we can see in, in an effective connection and contact with sinners and not sinning, is that your life and words include mercy. That the way that you act towards people, if people do something wrong to you, it's not like, I'm getting you. You do, you spit on me, I'll spit on you. Well, <laughs> that may misrepresent the whole message of Jesus. They may actually have to get ministry from what you do to them. <laughs> so we don't want to misrepresent Jesus. We're actually called Christians. So we want to act like him. We want our message to be his message. And his message, as you can see up here, include mercy, forgiveness, but not just in word, but the way that we live, the way that we interact, the way that we react to other people is with mercy, forgiveness, healing, recovery, Liberty, hope, and grace. Let's go on. Let's look at Jesus' style. Look at my servant, Matthew, the 12th chapter says. This is a prophecy about him whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. And this is a prophecy being quoted from the Old Testament. Look at this. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. In other words, Jesus was not a ranter. He was not belligerent in his, in his style of ministry. Was he bold? Was he zealous? Did he preach? Yes, he preached. But he was not the guy that was ranting and raving and mad face and pointing. He was not that guy. Shout or raise his voice, and he will not crush the weakest reed. 
and not put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause it, he'll cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. We were singing about his name today. I give glory to your name. Don't we love his name? That name, that in any nation, in any language, it is one name that people call on. And he saves. He heals. He does miracles. That name. Let's say that name. Can we just say his name? One more time. There's power in that name. There's healing in that name. Now, let's look at this. John 3, 17. But before we read John 3, 17, let's quote John 3, 16. If you know it, jump in. Let's just do it together. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Keep reading. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So in no time then will God send you to judge your friends, your office mates. God won't send you to judge your family, your kids. God won't send you to judge. If he didn't send Jesus to judge, who had never sinned at all, no, no sin in him, then he's not going to send people who have sinned to judge people who are also in sin. All right? What was Jesus' style of ministry? His message, full of all the things that we described, but his style of ministry was one, and we want to look and see what this was in the third. Uh, the third thing that we want to look at from all these verses that we've just looked is that if we're going to represent Jesus and be like him, we don't judge. Ooh, that's tempting. It's so tempting to judge. Sometimes we can hold ourselves back from judging, you know, real, you know, people that we don't know. You know, we know we need to be understanding or forgiving. But sometimes it is easier to judge people that sit across the table. Our kids, our family, our friends. That was a stupid thing to do. Why do you do that? You need to stop doing that. Better stop doing that. Repent, turn, or burn. <laughs> okay, John the Baptist, being a John the Baptist in our own home. John the Baptist in our own, in our own workplace or school. But the manner that Jesus modeled and introduced and were called after him to represent hmm, is a bit different than that. He never excused sin. He never condoned things. But he wasn't pointing a finger as the Pharisees did. In fact, the only people that Jesus he, he, he had words for was religious, those that carried and, and built walls in between people and God. And you can't come to God unless you do this, 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 this. And God in heaven is going, says who? He doesn't like 
religious things that put a barrier between him and people. We have to be careful that we don't, all right, to represent him right and well. Luke, the ninth chapter, you don't have to go there, but it's a story. Luke, in the ninth chapter, gives us the account of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, it, this was an amazing event that Jesus invited only three people to accompany him, Peter, James, and John. They got up there, and there was this amazing moment when Jesus was transfigured. What does that mean? He started glowing. And this is not trick photography or something. He started glowing and became translucent and transparent with light, with glory. And so Peter, James, and John are like, oh, and, and then Moses and Elijah show up too, and they start talking. So imagine, this is a huge event. Peter says, you know what? Let's build a tent, and let's just stay up here. This is nice. This is glorious. Let's just stay here. And sometimes uh, we can have a thought that, you know, what we need to do is just get away from the world. Just go spiritually up on a mountain. Just get away from evil influences and let's just build a tent and just stay there. But then this voice came from heaven to Peter and said, mm, this is my beloved son. You listen to him. Well, what Jesus said, we're not staying here. We're going down. And I tell you what, was at the bottom of the mountain wasn't you know, glowing bodies. What was at the bottom of the mountain wasn't Moses and Elijah. What was at the bottom of the mountain was a demon-possessed little boy that was throwing himself into the fire and into the water. And nobody could help him. Except for Jesus. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't just want to stay on the mountain? So when we follow Jesus in this, we see his style. We see that we need to go and, and contrast this between John and Jesus again. It says, well, let's go on to, let's look at 1 Peter, the second chapter in the 22nd verse. It, I can understand why people would, you know, you don't want to get pulled into evil influences so what we just need to do is stay away from anybody evil. And Jesus didn't model that, actually. He didn't model that. He, he actually had contact with people. It says here in this verse that he never sinned, ever. And he was in total contact with sinners, but he never sinned. He, he ate and drank with sinners. He, he, he dined with them. People said he, he got drunk and he was a glutton. Well, that would have been sin. So they di he didn't do that. But he was with them. Um, John, the first chapter in verse 14 says that the word was made flesh. And after the word was made flesh, it didn't dwell upon top of the hill in a monastery staying holy and perfect and uncontaminated from the, the people down below. No. The verse of Scripture says he became flesh and he moved out and dwelled among us. He lived with us. 
not just in front of us. He lived among us. And so, what were the results of living among us? Well, he, he touched real people with, with sin. And what religion did was pull back if there was people that were sinners. What Jesus did is he moved right to it. What religion does, if somebody's contaminated with something, you don't want to get, you don't, I don't want to catch that, I don't want to be around that, and kind of look with disdain and disgust. Well, while religious people were looking with disdain and disgust, Jesus actually reached in, out his hand and picked up the woman who had, was caught in the act of adultery. While the people around were fixing to stone her. It's a different style of ministry. So how can you get close without getting burned? How do, you, how do you get close enough to help without getting burned? From these verses of Scripture that we've just looked at, just now we look at the fourth thing about influencing sinners without sinning, actually. And the fourth one is this. We actually have to get close enough to people to make a difference. Who ever heard of a doctor that just treated people from the other side of a glass? You actually have to touch people. You have to touch people. You have to get in there. Jesus did. And so we do. If we want to we influence people, can't hibernate. I have to touch people. But how do we do that without it making a difference in the way that we live? We become a part and be like them. Jesus didn't. How did he do that? Let's look at John 17 and verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them, from, keep them safe from the evil one. <clears throat> when you get saved, when I get saved, it would have been easier, probably, just easier, for us just to vanish from the earth and go to heaven. Jesus, come into my heart. Boom, we're gone in heaven. Wouldn't that just have been easier? But that's not what happened. We're still all here. We're all still here. And Jesus said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. So that prayer was answered. But he did, he went on to say that you keep them from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. That means you don't belong to the world around you. You're not a part of it any more than Jesus was. But that didn't mean he separated himself from it, of touching it, okay? How did he do it without getting burned? Well, they don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truths. Asking you a question today, what is the truth that Jesus is talking about? Anybody know? Yeah, some of you are saying it, the word. Actually, John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The word is truth, okay? He goes on and he said, teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, 
I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Let's look at another verse, and I'll explain this. And because of his glory and, and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises that these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Just being in this world, there is a, a Ephesians talks about a course that this world is on. We could say a current that, that's going in a certain direction. It's not good. It dumps off uh, into eternal separation from God. The Bible calls that hell. Any separation from God is a separation from life, from love, from light. Ah, you don't want that. And so the whole current of this world is going that way. And the current is strong. It's everywhere. It's strong. And you go, I don't know if you've ever walked in a really, really rushing stream um, growing up in Colorado, we had those kind of streams, and you couldn't, you couldn't walk in a stream like that in, in the springtime of the year because it would be white water, you know, just, you'd be down in, in a second. But in the fall of the year, we would walk in those streams. To walk up current is a choice every single step. Where if you're going this way, it just, it carries you. Did anybody ever find that just sinning, acting a fool, doesn't take any effort at all? It seems to come so natural to your flesh. Going this way can be a decision every single day and all through the day. And Jesus, what he identified was this. And he did it. Jesus did it. He was, he was the first Christian, the only Christian. He was Christ. <laughs> he made the word up, okay? <laughs> he was around all of us. He didn't get out of the stream. What made him strong enough that he was able all his life to go cross-current and to bless people that were around him every single day? Well, he says, the word. There's no way. There's no way you have the strength. There's no way that you're going to get uncontaminated or stay uncontaminated from what's around you without the purifying properties of the word. So, the word, it enables you to escape the world's corruption that is caused by human desire. Jesus said this in Matthew, the fourth chapter. Man, he's quoting from the Old Testament, but this is how he was defeating the devil. He said, man doesn't live by, by bread alone. Doesn't just live by curry or, or steaks or baked potatoes or... or Whatever it is, the food that you like, doesn't live by that alone. He lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What you live 
as opposed to if you're going to have strength to be able to live. And humanly speaking, naturally speaking, you have to eat every day, don't we? I mean, preferably you eat every day. And even in this culture, we get to eat more than once a day. Spiritually speaking, we try to make it on sometimes a teeny snack, a little pack of peanuts once a week. <laughs> and there's not enough sustenance and there's enough spiritual strength. You get in a current that's around you with not enough spiritual strength and you'll just find yourself being carried along in a direction you don't want. And then you'll think, I just need to get away. So then you just get out and you try to hibernate in your house. Well, which one's right? <laughs> Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And God is talking every day in the Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our... How, how often? How often is God talking to you? Every day, not just talking to the pastors, not just talking to some people in the church. He talks to every one of his children every single day. And those words encourage you, strengthen you, and clean you. Okay, let's look at, so uh, the, the next one that we've seen from these verses is eat the word daily, feed your heart. Now let's look at the last, the second to the last, the second to the last one, and I'm going to talk really fast. This one is about um, the Samaritan woman. Jesus went through the city of Samaria, and he, while the disciples went in to get food, he stayed at a well, and this woman came to get water, and he said, "Could you give me a drink of water?" and um, she said, why are you asking me water? You're a man asking me. You're a Jew asking a Samaritan, what are, what are you doing? Then Jesus answered and said this, if you knew the gift of God that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you'd ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. He's talking about the well water. But those who drink the water that I will give never are thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This woman that was talking to Jesus, through her passions and desires and other people's desires, she had lived a real, real sordid life pathetic life really and Jesus is telling her that I can give you something that those desires are absolutely quenched because what I give you will be so much better than anything the world around you could even give If you don't have something coming from him, you'll take something from anybody. If you don't have love coming from him, you'll take some contaminated sort of love that could come from anybody, any gutter. But when you taste the sweet, pure love of God, 
Nothing can satisfy like that. You don't need anything from the world around you, but it does put you in a position to give something to the world around you. And that's what Jesus was saying to this woman at the well. He said, I don't need what you've been offering men all your life. I've got something that will satisfy your desire, that'll lift you out of the gutter you've been living in. It is true life. It is true love. You've come to the right man. <laughs> Amen? So, he said, on the last day of the feast, John 7, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowd. So Jesus wasn't an angry man. He wasn't like that. He wasn't a religious man. But did he shout good news? Yeah, he did. And he's shouting here, anyone who's thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. You drink living water coming from Jesus, and you know what will end up happening? Living water will end up coming through you to other people. And instead of you needing, I want, ooh, ooh, that looks good. I need that. I want that. You don't need any of that. But you'll be a fountain of life for them. How did Jesus have so much contact with sinners without getting contaminated? He didn't need what they had. They needed what he had. And he stayed full of it. John, the first chapter, goes on to say, we gave verse 14, and he goes on to say, of his fullness have we all received. Of his fullness. Jesus stayed full of grace, full of of truth, so that anybody at the workplace, at the home place, no matter where he was, was able to receive because he had things that he was giving. Stay full of the Spirit. That's the next one. Stay full of the Spirit. Pray. Pray in the Spirit. Sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the sixth one. How how you can be around sinners and end up not sinning, but actually being a blessing like Jesus was. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. These are some ways that the Bible teaches that we can stay full of the Holy Spirit. Today, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll have a worship or we'll have a, a ministry team up the front say, man, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told, Jesus told the people that were following him, yeah, go into all the world, but don't leave here until you get full of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're trying to be around people and you're not full of something, you're going to start grabbing what's in them. You need to be the one that's giving. Be full of the Holy Spirit. So we want to make that known that at the end of the service, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, people get filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. And today is your day. And so Jesus... Uh, what, what it says here in verse John, let's go, let's do our last one. It says, do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now, I read that wrong so many times. I thought it was saying, if I love 
the things of the world, the wrong things, if I want to do it, I have a desire for the wrong stuff, then I don't love God. That's not what it says. It says the love of the Father, not the love for the Father. I remember crying so many times when I had done the wrong thing. And I'd say, God, I do love you. I really do. And this verse of Scripture said, and I, that, uh, you know, if I love what, what is the wrong thing, I'm doing the things that are wrong, that I don't love you. I do love you. I remember trying to convince him, I do love you. But that's not what this verse says. It says his love. You're lacking his love. You keep tanked up on his love. God is for you. Who can be against you? You stay full of the love of God and what used to make you cave to friends, like compromise to make, get to have friends, compromise that, you know, you don't want, you know, you want to laugh at what they're laughing at and do what they're doing, you know, because you're afraid that they won't like you. Perfect love casts out fear and you can really love people. You're not, no, I want you to like me. I'll, I'll compromise so that you'll like me. Jesus didn't do that because he had no fear. No fear. <sighs> this is a beautiful way to live. But to do it, you have to stay full of his love. Let him love you. Let him, be, let him fill you with his love so that when you look at mean people, when you look at sinner people, condemnation isn't coming out your eyes and disdain and disgust is not coming out your eyes. Love, pure love is coming out your eyes. True love is coming out your eyes. It doesn't condone, but it doesn't condemn. The only way it can come out your eyes and come out your mouth to your kids instead of batting them the only way it can happen is if you stay full of the love of God. Stay full. He's pouring it every day. Let's receive it every day. Amen? If the team can come up, praise the name of the Lord. I'd like to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for true love the world has never seen that kind of love it's not love you can pay for it's not love you can compromise for it's clean pure healing restoring lifting love That love that somebody wrote about, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Father, I thank you that this love is for us every day. And this love can come through us. If we're drinking it, it can come through us every day. It washes us cleans us, makes us unafraid, it makes us in a position where we can give. 
If there's somebody here this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and this kind of love, you're, you don't know. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church, maybe not, but you don't know for sure that you've ever encountered this kind of love. If there's someone here today that you want God in your life, you want to know that everything is right between you and God, you want to know that when you pass from this life that you'll go to heaven. You want to know how to go to heaven. You want that. Now I want you to pray a prayer with me. I'm going to pray. Everyone's going to pray the prayer, but I want you to pray it from your heart. All right? Let's pray it now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for pure love. Thank you for giving me your son to die for my sins. I believe he did that for me. I receive what he did for me. I believe that he was raised from the dead and is alive today. I want you, Jesus, to live in my heart. And I invite you to come into my life. And I call you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' precious name, Thank you for coming in. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.